to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. You know we've been fighting for one and still fighting to this day. To this day. Aguero! I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Back out to Allen. History part of I'll take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. And, and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Listen, I ain't going to forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Some might. Hello and welcome to episode two of Protect Your Neck in association with the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Cam Mage yesterday. No Rory, so we've uh, chopped and changed. So Cam, cheers for joining me. No problem. Always a pleasure. So we've got UFC 250 this weekend, which we'll get into in a little bit. We've got two interviews on the show today. So later we'll be hearing from Pedro Munoz and Alex Caceres. So you've got that to look forward to. If we go straight into it, we did kind of a news of the week last week, but in in terms of the headlines, there's not so many that we haven't already covered. So the biggest headline, aside from uh, Dana and John Jones, is Gilbert Burns beating Tyron Woodley this weekend and what that does for the welterweight title picture. So he's now ranked number one on the UFC's website. Mm -hmm. Leon Edwards has dropped down to number five, Woodley's at four. And you've got Masvidal in there as well. So, who do you think should have the next welterweight title fight? Okay, so quickly on this, on Burns Woodley, a few takeaways um, that I think are worth pointing out. So, Gilbert Burns, super impressive. Won every round. I think the fact that he trains with Usman played a massive part in that. Didn't really show, he didn't show much, I don't want to say as in much respect for Woodley, but that was partly because Woodley didn't really throw too much. So um, it's it, he, he was super impressive, but at the same time, I think Woodley was super underwhelming um, and looked to me like a fighter that had one foot out the door, even though he had said everything prior to that. Yeah. With that in mind, the guy I'm feeling really sorry for right now is Leon Edwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because Leon Edwards, in my opinion, would have put on as dominant a performance against Woodley, if not better. Um, and if he would have beat Woodley, he's in the same discussions that Burns yeah. is in, you know? Um, he's probably ranked number one, possibly looking at a title fight. I'm not really sure. Um, in terms of who should fight for the welterweight title next, I'm still going to go with Jorge Masvidal. The reason I think he should fight for the title next one, I think it's the, you know, we're talking about he's probably at the moment, he's inside, let's say, the top five biggest names yeah. in MMA. So you've got Connor, you've got John, um, Khabib. Khabib. Um, then you've got the likes of Nate Diaz, um, DC, Francis Ngani, that type of level. Yeah. Um, Masvidal's right there with them. Um, probably. And this is in terms of activeness. You look at GSP when you're looking outside of that. It's a bigger name. But in terms of activeness, um, Masvidal, for me, should take the title shot. There's also been a bit of a build-up to Masvidal Usman before. They had the run-in. 
um, with each other. They also have had been speaking a lot of trash. Um, that's kind of been the fight to make. I also really want to see that fight because stylistically, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you would think that Usman might be a stylistic nightmare for Masvidal. So kind of interested to see how he would face against someone uh, like that. So for me, it would be Masvidal Usman outside of that. Um, I still think you can sell Colby versus Usman. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was a f- close fight. It's a sellable fight. I think... The only thing, I think it went to a decision. You could sell the rematch harder because Colby got knocked out in the yeah. fifth. And it was kind of like, it was clear that it was the correct stoppage to me anyway. Um, I didn't, I don't necessarily see an immediate rematch. So if I was, if I was matchmaking in the UFC, what I'm doing right now, I'm giving Masvidal Usman and then I'm giving uh, Colby Burns uh, winners by each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. I think the reason they've put Burns as the number one because they wouldn't usually do that. Usually you can beat the number one contender and you'll certainly go up but you won't. Kind of everyone else would get bumped up. So I think this is them trying to push Masvidal into signing something that perhaps a deal that he's not been happy with previously. I know his manager keeps coming out saying that he should be earning more money than uh, Usman and all of this. So I think yeah. they're playing games here. But, and here's and, the thing as well though. If Burns got the title shot now, there's not going to be too much uproar about it. Like no. the, the performance he put on, it's hard to say he doesn't deserve it. And it'll be a bad look for Masvidal as well because they're going to say, well, Usman signed the contract pretty quickly there, so it's Masvidal yeah. that wasn't the one agreeing. Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of also in a in a in a good position within that division, whereas you can plug in, you got Burns Usman, which. I don't think it sells too many pay-per-views, but there is a storyline there in that they're teammates, etc. You've got Colby Usman, where you've got the bad blood. Had the first fight, great first fight, went five rounds, and then Colby was KO'd. But you have that; he can sell the fight. And then you've got Masvidal Usman, which again, massive fight. Masvidal, one of the biggest names in the sport. So I think you've got three sellable fights. So whichever direction they go, they're not going in the wrong direction. But I would, my preference is Masvidal. I think. They're not going to wait too much longer because Burns has said that he'll, he'll fight as soon as July if they if they can make the fight. And I think if Jorge doesn't take it, then they might try and push him into a fight with uh, Leon Edwards and they'll sell it with that clip from backstage at the tail fight. I, I mean, I think that they can they can go in that direction. What I would say within that is that Leon Edwards, Edwards versus Masvidal is not going to be a super exciting fight. And if no, Masvidal loses, yeah, exactly. And if Masvidal loses that, and it's not an exciting fight, then you've got all this momentum on someone that could be a potential superstar. You know, yeah, if Masvidal goes and why beats Usman, yeah, but I mean, I I think at least Usman, whilst I think Usman is great wrestler, etc. You saw in the Colby fight that he was prepared to stand and bang. Maybe that was because the wrestling cancelled each other out. Yeah, that's But you I saw think. that he had some excitement within that. And I think he could bring that to a Masvidal fight. I think the Leon Edwards-Masvidal route, I just think that it could be a bit of a, a, a potential bore fest. Yeah. And if, and if Masvidal loses... definitely the best one. Yeah, if Masvidal loses that, then that momentum goes off. Yeah. So I would, I would say if it's not Masvidal fighting Usman... I yeah. think they would go Masvidal, Colby, and Burns, Usman, as a second option right now. Yeah, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with Woodley because 
it looked like he couldn't pull the trigger even more than before. Even when you go back at when he was the champion, he backed against the cage for 10 rounds against Wonderboy, backed against the cage for five rounds against Meyer. He was aggressive against Till, and then he backed against the cage for five rounds against Usman and five rounds against Burns. So clearly there's an issue that he's not sorting out, whether it's, I'm sure in training, he's red hot, and then he gets in the cage, and it's like, he just can't do it. Yeah, I mean... If they want to make the Colby fight, then they may, Colby's going to take the fight because he's going to want to put a beating on Woodley, and they might say, sell it as, well, if this doesn't get Woodley's fire back, then nothing will, and... Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, where was the Tyron Woodley that knocked out Robbie Lawler, you know? Yeah, I've got no real interest in seeing Woodley fight again. I, if I was, I mean, Stephen Thompson's looking for a, a dance partner. You could go down a trilogy route, three round fight. Yeah, after that second though, they're going to struggle. It's part of the card though, not as a. Yeah. I'm not talking as a main event. I'm just talking as kind of as a feature because it's going to be hard to put. I mean, Woodley's kind. Of, he has got a name, but based off of his past, he's he hasn't won a round in ten rounds. No, he no. didn't win any against Usman. Didn't win any against Burns. It's going to be hard to plug him in a main event spot and say, this is going to be an exciting fight. Yeah. So what I wouldn't mind seeing is if they decide, you know what, we're coming out of Corona, we're going to stack some cards now, and seeing him in a three-round fight against someone like a Wonderboy. Um, he like... was put with Robbie Lawler again, and then uh, it fell through with Woodley getting injured, I believe. Yeah, it looks like it's a confidence thing as well. I mean, he just wasn't... It does suck that the cut happened like pretty much straight away in that, you know, you come into a fight with a game plan first round, massive cut possible, uh, you know, a lot of damage would have occurred hurt from that first round game plan goes out the window, but just not pulling the trigger does, does look low on confidence. So for me, it's either plug him in against someone like a Robbie Lawler or a wonder boy or happy for him to retire now, you know, don't we really want on here that we called locksmith of the week where we pick out a banker that we have on the card. Bad start from the first episode as I did pick Woodley as my locksmith of the week, so... Ouch. Ouch. That may have put people off tuning in for episode two. Hopefully the names we've got reel them back in. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. If if we go on then, so I've seen a lot of kind of debating this week with people, you know, where people just kind of make some argument and then people can't feel like they have to pick sides. So the debate I saw this week was people saying that whether you prefer heavyweights or flyweights, and there's these people that call others casuals and that kind of thing, and they were going down, if you prefer this to the other and all sorts. But the flyweights don't get much love in the UFC, despite putting on great fights all of the time. So I had here that if we give our favourite flyweight fighter and fight of all time, and that if someone wants to go back and watch it on Fight Pass, they can do that or whatever. So if I kick us off, I mean, my favourite fighter would be John Lineker but as he missed weight almost every single time at flyweight it feels a bit cheeky to pick him for the category so I would go with <laughs> I would go with Demetrius Johnson he was one of the, he was the champion when I got into watching MMA it says a lot about fighters when you're still prepared to tune in just to see how they'll win where it feels like a certainty you know the last second finish of Horiguchi who actually quite liked it at the time. You had the wars with Benavidez and um, Ian McCall, the armbar of Ray Borg, obviously. 
that he was just an incredible fighter, and then we've lost him to one FC. Yeah, and uh, you go back and look at that trade now. <laughs> yeah, the Ben, ben Askren. Um, yeah, not not the best, but then you know, is that division going to continue? I know they're doing a fight for the they're doing a rematch, aren't they, for the for yeah the belt? I mean. It's certainly not going to be a main event, is it? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the main event, it's not going to be. It was last time, but I think it'll. It's whether they put it on the top of their fight night card or yeah. on a pay per view. I think it'll yeah. be a, it'll be a good fight, but once you've seen someone get sparked in the first round, it doesn't give you much interest for a second one. It doesn't. Um, and in terms of flight, it's hard to sell a flyweight fight. You know. Even though we, we, and it's kind of contradicting what I'm going to say now is that, that you know, the, the lack of knockouts, etc. even though someone lost in the first round the last time, that was because, um, weight cutting issues, etc. weight issues. So it's pretty hard to sell to me flyweight at fly as a main event. Um, co-main, I don't necessarily have a massive issue with it though. Who, who would be your favorite flyweight? My favorite flyweight personally, um, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for what DJ did within the division, the run he went on, legendary. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see a run like that again. Um, and that's possibly because I don't think the flyweights are going to be around for no. too much longer. Um, but I would say my favourite fighter, um, and possibly against popular opinion, unpo- this is an unpopular opinion, sorry, is Henry Cejudo. Um, like we're, talking, Cejudo. we're talking about a guy that had great credentials coming into the UFC um, gold medalist etc um, goes up against the greatest of all time in Demetrius Johnson loses in was it the second round or the first I think it was the first first round so first round knockout pretty devastating momentum kind of lowers comes back goes on a great run beats DJ in a five round great fight beats him in a five round fight on points, and you're thinking, okay, well, where do I go now from being the greatest flyweight of all time? Okay, I'm going to take arguably, and you've got Dominic Cruz, but arguably the greatest bantamweight of all time is going to drop down in TJ Dillashaw, and I'm going to knock him out in the first round. <laughs> and then you find out he's on performance-enhancing drugs, and then you're like, okay, so who you're great. Then what was missing within that division as well is a personality, someone that can kind of draw in fans, draw in some casuals, and you could say you know, he doesn't, he's not a, a huge draw, Cejudo, but at least he's out there, he's trying, he has yeah. a personality, someone that you can have an interest in. Yeah, he's, he's definitely one of uh, the, the the great flyweights. He would, he would be up there for me. I think just the nostalgia with Demetrius Johnson and some of the finishes for what kind of pushed him over the edge. But in terms of my favourite flyweight fight, I didn't rule out John Lineker in this one, so I went John Lineker against um, Louis Galdino. Um This was just everything you want in a flyweight fight. You've got um, Galdino with his massive green hair. You've got <laughs> both swinging hooks just with no regard for their defence. You've got a big finish at the end of it. So that would be one I would say to go back and watch on Fight Pass. Absolutely. Um, totally agree. Great fight. I'd also, I would throw in there, and I just mentioned it there, Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo too. Yeah. Um, almost partly because of the storyline, you know, you've got Demetrius Johnson, he's running out of opponents. Even going into that first fight, though, you could look back at kind of 
the credentials that Cejudo had built up, you know, the wrestling, etc. And you could, you were thinking in the back of your mind, I know I certainly was, this guy could have a potential chance. Okay, get stopped in one round. Comes back, wins a five-round fight. Now, what I will say, and I did say that flyweights aren't a draw, if they were to do a trilogy fight at flyweight, I would be sold on that as a main event fight. So Hudo Johnson free. Just throwing it out there, dream matchmaking, make that fight happen. I'm going to tune into it. Yeah, I think people criticise the flyweights, but they're very rarely in a boring fight. Oh, absolutely. And if you want to see a technical aspect, and you know, so if you if you're a fan of pure technique, because they're so fast, you're going to see better technique. You're going to see better ground transitions, etc. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at the Demetrius Johnson armbar submission, for example. You're yeah. not going to see a heavyweight do something like that. So I think from a pure technical aspect, it's really great to watch and fans. So what's more, the diehards, you know, are going to have more of an appreciation for that. Unfortunately, there is still something that's uh, well, something that's something that's massively appealing about seeing Francis Ngannou one yeah, knock absolutely. out someone in twenty seconds, <laughs> which you're not going to see at flyweight, unfortunately. No. If if we move on then, so I just mentioned it, locksmith of the week. Uh, we may have similar pick here, I'm not too sure, but onto UFC 250. My locksmith of the week, you know, looking to bounce back, is going to be uh, Sean O'Malley against uh, Eddie Wineland. I, I don't really know why the fight's happening. Wineland's lost two of his last three. Only win was against uh, Grigory Popov, who came into the UFC with a padded record and still hasn't won in the octagon. O'Malley's shown that he's clearly above this level. Wins over Kinones, where Sukuntai Kinones would go into a fight with uh, Popov as favourite now. Only losses on O'Malley's amateur record were by submission, and it looks like he's focused on that a lot now. And then, even if that wasn't the case, Wyland only has four submission wins out of 24, and they were all rear naked chokes too, so you'd assume he'd probably beat them down and then wound up taking the neck rather than being slick on the map. So that would be my locksmith. Yeah, well, I'm looking through the card. Um, I'd have two locksmiths. Um, I would agree with you in Sean O'Malley. Um, I think we've also got a kid there that people have got to appreciate. This is potentially the next big superstar um, in the UFC. He's got the personality. He's got the look. Um, he has kind of a relatable personality to fans as well. Um and the bantamweight division really needs someone like that right now, especially with Cejudo yeah. retiring. So I would say Sean O'Malley would be one lock. Um, second lock, uh, I'd say Amanda Nunes. Yeah. Um, I think I can't see any way that she loses. Um, you'll probably post this recording of that clip next week when she gets KO'd in the first <laughs> round. But um, no, I think Amanda Nunes go to the women's division. Um, yeah, I've, don't see any way she loses. I would say KO first round. Yeah. We, I mean, Felicia, also, Spencer's, Felicia, Felicia Spencer is tough. She's in there for the... She does the more of the... She's more of a submission artist and you have to get in close to Nunes to do that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a lot interested. of the time in Invicta, she was kind of... She was the stronger person in there and that she's not going to have that with Nunes either. Absolutely. Um, it would be interesting to see the peer, uh, pay-per-view numbers as well. Um, yeah. And I say that as well because and I know it's Corona and everything has kind of derailed things, but 250 is kind of a land. It should be a landmark debut yeah, for the UFC. I mean, I'm sure they could have found a way to get a bigger fight 
I'm not I saying it's not a big fight, but... Because they said for a while, they were like... Uh, it was the co-feature on the cards on that like first fight card back, I think. And then, next thing you know, they confirmed it was the main event. So I think they probably tried to find a couple of things and it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah Hence that's why they've got Cynthia but... Calvillo and Jessica I headlining next week. Yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Um, but... I thought Fight Island would be ready by now, you know. <laughs> that would have been a great way to kick off Fight Island. You know, Till and Whitaker on there, it seems. Till Whitaker, that'd be I'm yeah. I'm down for that fight. Um is is that that is confirmed at middleweight? Because I know they were joking around that they should fight. Yeah. A, a catch it's not weight. been locked in yet, but you know, where the reporters tell you it's done and then you just kinda of wait for the UFC to Yeah. I just hope that is it I hope it is at middleweight because I think I the, like catch weight fights is just like only if, if you're going to win a catchweight fight, then you shouldn't be moved up in the rankings, for example. No. You know. So the next feature we had then was kind of a play on what Dane has been doing for his fight cards, where he said, if you don't know, now you know. So the first, well, the only pick that I would have for this, and I mentioned the flyweights, is um, Alex Perez against the Juicier Formiga. It's topping the fight past prelims, which I think is mental when you look at some of the other fights on the card. This one should be a lot higher. Alex Perez has seven fights in the UFC and five of them en- have ended with a finish. The loss coming to Benavidez, which there's no shame in that. Formiga's been in the UFC for eight years, beating Sergio Pettis, Figueiredo, who looks like he's going to be the new champ. Lost a split decision to Zahudo. And I know he's coming off a loss to Brandon Moreno, but that was a great fight in itself. So the flyweight's put on a show. This This one should be higher up. Um, th- there's definitely an aspect. I, I kind of agree that they should be better, uh, higher up. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a good way to end kind of the prelims. I mean, where would it's you not, plug it's, it? It's the fight past prelims, though. So it's not even the like actual prelims. So a lot of people won't even see it. Yeah. When which fight would you drop though? If you if you had to drop one to bring that in? Well, I mean, at the top of even if it moved at one fight then Charles Bird against Maki Patolo is opening up the prelims on TV. Mm. So, I mean, I think it could be above that, to be honest, but hopefully they get some love over there. Uh, I think it's on ESPN Plus in America, so they'll get some more eyes there. Yeah. Well, just say, it's kind of, again, it comes back to what type, what divisions do you want to push? You know, which divisions are we going to focus on? Are we, are we, are we looking at flyweights as a, as a division that's going to re-emerge and grab a lot of eyes on them? Um, or could that division potentially be scrapped by the end of 2021, for example? So, um, but I get what you're saying. It's an exciting fight. It could benefit the card, um, having more eyes on that division and those fighters. What, what would be your sleeper pick on the card? Um, I like the Chase Super Alex Caceres fight. Um, if I pronounced his surname correctly. Good pick, and, uh, because we have an interview was, with Alex Caceres. I was, just, uh, <laughs> I was just about to segue into that. <laughs> um, um, I can't go against Ben Askren's son, though, so uh, I have to go with Jay Super. Um, no, I like the fight. I think it's it should be interesting. Um, definitely got some personalities there as well. Um, so definitely be, be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, definitely. So... If we kind of run through the UFC 250 card, just 
from top to bottom just to, to really mention each one. So, I mean, you're opening the card with Evan Dunham against Herbert Burns. Um, Dunham hasn't won since 2016. And Herbert Burns, you think, is looking to follow in his brother's footsteps. So I do think it's good matchmaking for a prospect. So good way to open the card, get some eyes on them. You've got Alonzo Menafield against Devin Clark next. Don't have too much to say on that. It's a light heavyweight fight and they can be very hit or miss in the UFC. Mm. Um, Alex Prez against Juicy Formiga, which I just mentioned. You've then got Charles Bird against Maki Bitolo. Bird hasn't won since knocking out John Phillips. And Pitolo has lost, I believe, his only UFC fight, but he's also only been to a decision once, uh, twice, sorry, in the last five years. So you'd assume someone's going to get knocked out there. He then got Cody Stamen against Brian Kelleher, two friends of the podcast, actually. Fun match at Bantamweight. Stamen was robbed last time out against Song Dong, who just robbed uh, Marlon Vera as well. So he's Was that a robbery? <laughs> that was a robbery. You heard the Vera one was a robbery. I mean, I thought it was. Uh, I didn't think uh, anyone uh, won worst, it clearly. Uh, 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 at best, he's taken a couple of quid out of his uh, wallet. He's, yeah, uh, a light theft. I mean, I probably would have leaned towards Vera, but I didn't think it was. A, you know, I didn't think it was a clear decision to him. I mean, Kelleher himself, two and zero in the UFC this year. We saw him only a couple of weeks back where he got that big knockout. Stamen, you think he's going to try and wrestle him, but Kelleher's got through a takedown defense. So I think it'll be a stalemate there and it'll be a fun one on the feet. Yeah. Uh, you then got Ian Heinish against Gerald Mearshet. Heinish's on a two fight skid. Um, Gerald Mearshet is always in a close fight. So even when he's fighting kind of what you'd think is talent beneath him, he, he does find a way of making it close. But he had that great fight with Duran Wynn last time out. So. Mini DC, so maybe he's got kind of the taste for it. Then got Alex Caceres against Chase Hooper, so if things have gone to plan. We'll hear from Alex next, and he can talk about the fight himself. Right as we're having to preview it. How did you start in uh, MMA? Well, um, it all started, I guess, around high school, around my uh, I would do a freshman going on sophomore year. I joined the wrestling team, and that's where I met uh. A guy named Enrico Coco, who I now and again still train with today. And he trained um, at Freestyle Fighting Academy, Mixed Martial Arts. And then he introduced uh, myself and the wrestling team to his gym. And then we started training over there. And that's how I got my introduction to Mixed Martial Arts. (laughs) Can you remember, like, the build-up to your first fight? Did you ever think it would be something that you would go on to have a full career in? Or was it just like a hobby at first and then... It escalated. Well, um, once I got, once I started training, because I was definitely, I, I guess, once you get into high school, you're everybody's kind of up in the air about what they want to do with their lives, yeah. you know. So um, once I started training, though, I felt like there was something that I didn't have to think about that I liked doing. You know, I didn't have to try and um, be something that I wasn't. You know, it was just a matter of how I did it, not what I was doing in that sense. So, um, I kind of, I kind of started doing martial arts and I didn't even know because around the time I was doing it, UFC wasn't even that big. They haven't had any, um, shows like the ultimate fighter or anything. And I was like, like ninth grade and stuff or 10th grade. So I didn't see any of that. So I didn't see a career with that. 
So that's why I got into like the backyard fights and stuff, yeah. you know, trying to make money out of the things that I was doing. Um, in my mind, I was just going to practice until I could be able to teach. So, but then when the fight started happening, I was training at a gym. I remember um, my manager now, he was training. I mean, he was managing like football players or baseball players and then wanted to try to get into the MMA league. And we were training together and that's how I got my introduction into mixed martial arts. But before that, I was just doing like backyard street fights and amateur kickboxing fights and stuff. Yeah, I can see that you've been in the UFC alone now for like nine years. So, I mean, is there anything particular that motivates you to keep fighting, to keep getting in there and going in so many fighters and training every day, I suppose? Yeah, um, I just... I, I just like I just love martial arts like it's it's it really gets that simple I just like doing it I like um being able to test myself and I'm a hundred percent grateful that I'm able um whether my record is it is what it is I'm hundred percent grateful that I'm able to compete with the highest quality of fighters out there in the world at the moment I think that says a lot uh about me especially um you know never necessarily having the the easiest route, you know, to yeah. get to get to where I was getting, but um, it, it it definitely feels good, you know, that um, my martial arts is definitely worth something that it it, it works and that is able to work against some of the best in the world. So it was just um, I can appreciate that. Um, but never, I never really had any other motivation than that. Just just the love for them, just for the love for the yeah. art. I wonder because you've got the fight next weekend obviously do you enjoy the like fight week build up to it or is it kind of just a, a hindrance getting past that to be able to get into the octagon i guess you got the weight cut in and everything well yeah the um really yeah i could do all do without all that stuff just yeah. you know just to get just to get to the fights and stuff i just enjoy doing it um everything else before that um i embrace it you know i have to you know it's a part of the job it comes with the the media section of it but definitely as a martial artist it's to me it's irrelevant if it happened or not yeah how how busy will you be next week outside of trading is is there a lot that you have to do i suppose that we don't see or is it do you get the majority of the time to yourself well um you know it, it all depends you know sometimes ufc has like a, a cram schedule for you I'm not sure how it will be right now because of the whole pandemic thing, yeah. but usually we have like media scrubs. We have to go and like talk to a whole bunch of reporters, sign posters, do sometimes meet and greets and be on schedule for like grocery runs or stuff like that. So it we, we stay pretty busy and in between the training sessions, we do get some time off, but um, it's really just everything's kind of focused around and preparing for the fight. Yeah. I just got to find a charger for my phone. Um, I wondered, um, how has trading been for this? Because obviously it's not perfect that this, the situation that we're in. Have you managed to be able to put together like a proper camp? Have you had the same amount of trading partners you'd usually have, or has it been? Well, I guess well, a lot definitely. Um, it, it, it it's been simple. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like a kind of like a joke that that goes around. It's like everywhere else shut down, but Miami never closed. You know. <laughs> So we kept the gym open, not to the public, but to the professional fighters. Yeah. And everybody came and we had a good camp. We trained every day at the gym. So there was no like I had to make up some training sessions at home or anything. I was able to complete all my training at the gym and with a proper team. Ah, oh, perfect then. Because 
I saw that you've not fought in just under a year. Do you feel like replenished going into this one, or would you rather have come back a bit sooner? Um, either or. I was definitely trying to come back sooner, uh, just, but that, but but I wasn't much soon. wasn't much too sooner than this. But I did want. I did um, feel like I needed to take a time off after I broke my hand. I wanted to just take some good time to heal, as well as just take a little break um, from the whole from the whole game and stuff. So, yeah. but. Yeah. More than ready, I don't feel not necessarily rejuvenated, but or, or or worn out. I just ready to get back in there. Just yeah. bored, if anything. Did, did everything like heal up as you expect with your hand? Because you broke it in the first round, didn't you? And then I can't imagine it gets any better going two more rounds with it. No, no. Well, it healed really nice. It healed really nice. Um, I got full range of motion. Um, the doctors told me I had no nerve damage no ligament damage so it, it missed all my ligaments and nerves so i have complete feeling um i just got a it was a pretty bad break so i i do got a couple i got i got a plate and a couple screws in there okay um and i know you've got um chase hooper next obviously he he has just the one fight in the ufc does that make it more difficult preparing for him or do you just kind of focus more on what you can do well we have the one fight in the ufc and we also have the contender series and and just and, and he's a young fighter, and just watching all of his fights, you know, we I, we know what he's good at. Like we know he's really good on the ground, and he has an awkward style of grappling because he's very long and lanky. So we uh, we we definitely looked at that. My brother's the same way, you know. He's six two, and he does those kind of weird submissions and and whatnot. So we we had good training partners to train with, but all in all, we just noticed that. We know what he wants to do. We know what he wants out of the fight. He wants to close the distance and bring it to the floor. So it, 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 I wouldn't say it makes it easier, but it makes it, um, uh, I guess, a little bit more clear of what we're supposed to do. You yeah. know, he has one way to to beat us, and we just got a little bit more tools, and we just can't forget that and just keep working in those into the game plan. Yeah, even just looking through your most recent fights, you fought Rolando D in his first UFC fight, Crone Gracie in his, and. Do you have any issue in fighting these newcomers, or do you kind of relish the experience of being that guy? Well, um, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you. I mean, if I have to really think about it, I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I really <laughs> don't think of it any other way, honestly. It's just the next person. I didn't really think yeah. about that. If um, things get back to normal, as we'd hope they would, would you like to stay busy for the rest of the year, or do you have a kind of goal how many fights you'd like to have? Oh, definitely. I like to. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to cram them in. Cram them in there as long as I'm healthy. I have no problem with that. I always like to stay active. Um, yeah, definitely get as, get in there as much as possible. Yeah. And um, you you changed camps last year, didn't you? So um, how how's that been going? Has it been a big difference for you, or is it kind of just more of the same from one place to the other? Well, well, uh, a little bit of both. You know, um, um, I just came back to my old to my old camp in Florida um, from the lab. I know I spent like six years at the lab over there in Arizona, and I still want to do some camps over there, still um, even crossing with both these gyms. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it has – there's always regular difficulties when it comes with moving, but at the same time, there's other eye-openers and different opportunities as well. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for giving me some of your time again today. really appreciate it, and um, good luck for next Saturday. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. And you're on to the main card, as we said. Eddie Wynan against Sean O'Malley. Mentioned that already. Neil Magny against Anthony Rocco Martin. Magny beat 
Lee Jingliang last time out, which I didn't need to be reminded of. I had that as the last leg of an accumulator. <laughs> I was fuming with that. Rocco Martin beat uh, Ramazan Emi. You went over to Russia to do that as well. So, and he's also beaten good fighters Sergio Moraes, Jake Matthews, Ryan LaFleur, and Alex White. Yeah. I believe he went to Australia to beat Jake Matthews as well. So, Rose I think Magni is always a fighter that you're kind of waiting to put it all together. Like, has the tools, but just He's waiting so for him to put it together. Um, so, it's very interesting to see how he performs. Well, he, he was out where he was suspected by USADA of having a dodgy supplementing system. And I think they kind of... I think, I'm not, I think he accepted a backdated ban, but I may be throwing dirt on his name, so apologies if that is the case. <laughs> He was definitely out for a while and then he came back. No, he was cleared by USADA, so okay. I'll take it back. But that's why he was out for a while, then he came back and got the win against Jing Liang. So before that was when he lost to Ponzinibbio, where he was on like one leg for after fights. Yeah. That'll be a fun one. You imagine it's going to be on the feet for the most part. Could have a good couple of stand-up wars. You then have Maybe the best fight on the card in Corey Sandhagen against Aljamain Sterling. Big fight, big, big potential opportunities for the winner. It's so weird that it's below Garbrandt, who's lost his last three, and Asensai, who's just lost to Sandhagen, probably says a lot about the size of Garbrandt's name, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he is, like, we're talking about someone that was being spoken about before the loss to TJ is the next you know, the next superstar. He had Even the look, the he had really the title. UFC seem to know Garbrandt. He's got the look, hasn't he? I mean, he's, yeah. he's a good-looking kid. Um, he's got the tattoos, had success at an early young age. Um, the performance against Dominic Cruz was incredible. Um, and then he was in two big fights against TJ. Um, unfortunately for him, he's, he's got no chin. Um, so this is a real... like. I don't want to say yeah. career on the line, but I kind of do believe it is career on the line type fight, especially the well, way, the way if he gets knocked out again, I mean, where does he go from there? You know? Yeah, we'll take a prediction for that one next. If we do Sandhagen Sterling first, I, I think Sterling gets it done, but I wouldn't be putting my life on the line for this one. I mean, Sandhagen, you think, is going to have a striking advantage, but his takedown defence has been rough. I think I saw it was something rough, like 27%, which is Aljo's bread and butter. Yeah, I, I'd go towards, I'd lean towards Sterling, been on a tear, um, you know, had an argument, if, has a massive argument that he's, he's been on a tear. Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo comes down, loses. Uh, yeah, it should be Sterling down, and then gets a title shot. That tells to tell you, or similar to Garbrandt in terms of you know your name gets you somewhere. Um, yeah. So I would say Sterling's my favourite to win that. Um, and just going up off, off of the back of what was just said, and if Garbrandt wins impressively, would you be shocked if he fought the winner of Aldo? Yeah, no, I, no, I, oh, not at all. I think they should be worried about that, uh, Sandhagen and uh, Sterling. Yeah, but, absolutely. But but it's 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 a really weird division. The TJ's Dana's coming back soon it, as well. Yeah, Dana's called it the number one contender fight with Sandhagen and Sterling. So you'll you'll hope 
Maybe he keeps his word, but who knows? Who knows? Um, if Cody wins that fight against um, Asuncio, um possible it's, it's a weird one, is it a possible trilogy we're looking at with with TJ because coming back is that but that's a horrible fight for Cody to kind of he's trying I to rebuild like, some momentum I feel like Cody's going to win on Saturday but it, it, it is mentally he should be first to the punch you would think um, his wrestling should mean he can keep it standing but Asun Sao has that sneaky fight IQ so I don't know Cody needs the other guy to pressure him the, the fights when Cody has to lead the dance is when he gets clipped because he gets too excited. He can't control himself. The fights when the other guys are charging at him, he had it in the Cruz fight. He's had it for some success in the TJ fights until he then tried pressing the action himself. But all the way to get to where he was, other guys would press him. There's, there was always the rumour about his chin. And then he would be fast enough and his precision would be good enough that he could land first. So... It may be that Asensio just takes a backward step and tries to walk Cody onto something, but I think if you have to put your money down on one of them, then Garbrandt is probably the safer pick, which feels crazy even to say. Yeah, um, I'm 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 happy to give Gar- Garbrandt kind of another shot. Uh, not at the time I'm saying, but cool. another shot with my, with my with my money if I was betting on it. Um, I would lean towards him. But I wouldn't say that with any confidence. No. Um, I think he's. It's really difficult to say that a fighter that beat Dominic Cruz so impressively doesn't have high fight IQ. But then I look at his last three performances, and he, what I would, how I would describe Garbrandt is an emotional fighter, um, based on his last three performances. Um, and it's whether he can keep them in check during in this fight. Because he wants us to scrap. <laughs> yeah, in the second TJ fight, he got caught with the same left hook three times in a row and got dropped by it each time. Yeah. So he clearly is, his IQ to adjust in the fight isn't there. It's good for the division, I think, if Garbrandt wins. Garbrandt against Jan would be a, a great fight if it wasn't going to be for a title fight now. If it could have happened beforehand, it, w- it would have been brilliant. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But, I mean, Garbrandt Aldo would be a great fight. I'd like, I'd, yeah. I'd like to see that. Um, yeah. But we'll see if it's, if it's going to happen. And then, the main future. event, we've kind of shared our thoughts on this already. This should really be a massacre. Nunes against Spencer. It's, they're doing it so Nunes can defend another belt, but Spencer is a submission artist. To get that, she'll have to get close. I, I don't think she's going to be able to get close without getting hurt. So it would take a brave person to bet against Amanda Nunes here. Oh, very brave. Um, I don't see any way she loses, being totally honest. Unless she got caught or she gets caught in a submission. Um, I just don't see it. And no. to me, to me, it's just a, a case of when um, and not if. Yeah. Up next then, myself and Rory both interviewed Pedro Munoz last week. Meant to be on last week's episode, but we rescheduled. Got it in for this week and we spoke about training in the lockdown. He's up to a match with Frankie Edgar 
and lots more. I mean, thank you for giving us some of your time today. It's uh, really great to speak to you. Oh, that's fine. Thank you. So, I mean, just to start off, I thought, how was it that you initially got started in mixed martial arts? Yes, um, actually, my 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 life was around uh, martial arts in general. Um, since I was three, four years old, I was super fan of uh, Jean Claude Van Damme movies, uh, mm-hmm. blood sports, kickboxer, you know. And even when I was a kid, I wanna watching the Van Damme movie, all that. I wanna be a, a kickboxer. So kind of like starting building my life around that idea, the scenario, you know, uh, I did a lot of karate because that's the the thing was the closest to a kickbox. But we, we had a more karate school in Brazil back in those days while, I was, you know, growing up. I'm in the phone. I'm not here to bother you. I okay. Something uh, so I, I did that for quite a while around eight years old seven years old uh i was you know uh training a lot of karate around my my 11 12 years old i i stopped a little bit i want to just you know to play soccer at the moment and you know but the big point of my life was right after that i was around 12 13 years old i was able to to watch on vhs uh, UFC one oh, yeah. second and the third, which uh, uh, Hoist Gracie it was the one that was reading all the tournaments, and then I started I started here I started I started listening about uh, Jiu Jitsu something that I never heard in Brazil, and the Gracie family and that, so it took me a little bit close the door it took me a little bit. like a few months to find a jiu-jitsu place where I was, uh, where I used to live. There was not a lot of jiu-jitsu gym back in there. So I found a place and started training. So, and which is, in six months, I was already in love with jiu-jitsu and when I did my first tournament. So I competed at the first, so, you know, everything was coming, come along the way, the karate, since I was, you know, three, four years old. And jujitsu was something that for me was very, very interesting. And I never heard anything about it. I didn't know how to fight on the floor, and and um, and that's one. That's what caught my attention. You know, that was definitely yeah. the point in time was uh, watching Hoist Gracie uh, first. You know, the, the the first three UFCs. So it was basically the. Did, did you carry on playing football or was that kind of it? Once you uh, got started with jiu-jitsu, that was just it for you? Say it again, I'm sorry. Did, did you carry on playing football or once you'd started jiu-jitsu, was that just your sole focus then? Yeah, when I, when I started doing jiu-jitsu, look, there was definitely that comitation like immediately. I didn't, I, you know, I was already tired doing karate, so for me it was already like something was super boring, yeah. and uh, jujitsu was something that was like a, a fire. My, you know, I felt like my my soul on fire, like I felt in passion. Yeah. I felt like a passion about it imme- almost immediately, and I was dedicating. I was dedicating 
like my life in jiu-jitsu right i remember like going to school and the rest of the, going to school and just think about jiu-jitsu and the rest of the day just find a ways to train with my friends and you know somehow being jiu-jitsu gyms the days that the, the the days the gym was not open i was just running doing something stuff so i could be strong like physically, yeah. you know, find the like uh, uh, trainings like online. Back in the day, you know, the access with the internet was not like today. So for me, it took me a lot of uh, research and going going to a library, you know, literally like researching, finding my way so I can uh, reach to greatness. Well, I, I was looking through kind of your career and I saw that, after you started 3-0 and in Brazil and then you traveled to America and started getting on the regional shows there, was that like a conscious decision to get your name out there or was it just a case of you'd moved or was it for the training or was there a reason that you moved over to America to start competing? Yes, there are a lot of reasons that I moved to 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 United States. You know, one, that MMA here was already uh, – bigger than brazil brazil is still people even today people there uh they very they very passionate about jiu-jitsu in general so it's uh it's uh if you want to go there it's hard to find a place to train today they have a lot a lot of places but when when mma ufc was you know getting big we were uh, I, I was already finding like local shows i had one two uh even even my third fight you know, it was like uh, I already knew that here in the United States that people were like dedicating more in mixed martial arts than Brazil. Besides that, I knew here the opportunity for me to to become a better athlete in all in all aspects. Even you know, be able to speak English. That was something that you know I was you know in Brazil growing up. We never had it. You know. Uh, have to speak another language besides Portuguese, so I know the big companies, the big fights was right here. I knew the money was, you know, here. UFC in general, you know, was was something that I I want to be a part of UFC. Even you know, while I was competing jujitsu, I I see myself being a part of UFC. I want to be a UFC fighter. You know, UFC was an American company, so I yeah. knew that um, that. Was, me being in the United States, I would have, a, like, let's say, more opportunities here hmm. than if I was in Brazil. And that's why, you know, it made me took that step and and leave and leave Brazil and come to the United States. No family, no, no in the language, yeah. being like that. So I know here I had a more opportunity. I had yeah. a more opportunity. I had a more um, training partners. And, and fight the shows here and you know for me I, I think that you know that's what I thought and when I came here you know everything was was working along the way and yeah so that's definitely that's, paid off <laughs> that's pretty much it it's, I mean you said it about um, getting to the UFC you obviously you, you got to the UFC uh, you were five years undefeated at that point and then I know, unfortunately, um, you then suffered your oh, first oh, loss. Somehow, um, somehow I was not showing here. Didn't know why. Sorry. I press a button and then I pop up the camera. Sorry about that. I didn't even know right. No worries. So, I mean, you, you lost your UFC debut and after being so long undefeated, was that 
like a big setback for you? Because I know you got like straight back in there like three months later, I think. So did you take that hard or was it just a case of just like getting straight back on it? Yeah, no, my debut was actually, there was a fight that we we got this fight a week before. So it was a short notice. I, um, I, two weeks before my debut, I fought, I defend my title and RFA. And then I took one week off. So the next week that I started training, we got the call on Friday to fight on the next Saturday. Uh, because the reason was my opponent, half of us was some, his opponent yeah. broke the hand. So <sighs> we took, we took in a short notice. Half of us was some back then. He was, he was just beat TJ Delashaw, which he became yeah. a champion later on. Uh, he was number three. You know, I was just, I was just my debut. So it was a fight that, I noticed immediately when the fight was over that I could be there and standing with Jenny Fire because literally I took a fight in one week yeah. notice and then was right there facing number three uh, fighter, one of the you know, guy that beat the champion later on, TJ De La Shaw. So the fight was a display, not even too much advantage of him. There was kind of back and forth. What I did, I was like, you know, it took like uh that that kick at the end of the round that made me um falling down, and then the third round he played a little bit more smart. I was just going to to take his head off. He was playing, so it was the fight that I knew that I had a more if I had a more time to prepare, yeah, it would be a different fight. Um, but I you know I got I got a chance to go back there three months later in Brazil was my first time me fighting USC in Brazil, my hometown in Sao Paulo. So I took that fight. So I fought uh it was Matt Hobart closed the door. It was Matt Hobart, which he was another guy, uh another organization that was very close with the RFA back then with the which which was the legacy fighting championship. He was yeah. the he was the champion. So uh tough opponent. So, you know, it was his debut, was my second fight in USC. So I the fight kinda of displayed very well. I uh, finished him first round and then after that I fought again. And then, you know, things has been uh going to my favor later on. Yeah. And obviously, then going way down the line, you you had that big win against uh, Cody Garbrandt, and I, I wondered when you were preparing for that. Obviously, we saw in the fights with um, TJ where when he got clipped, it was like the red mist came down, and his game plan seemed to go out the window. And I wondered if that was something that you noticed or you prepared for going in, because obviously, it, it, even though it's only one round, it turned into a wild fight and, until you obviously uh, closed it out. Yep. So that was definitely part of his strategy. You know, it's it we use a lot of fans hitting him and that later you know, later on in the fight or we didn't know where he were coming, like, you know, emotional about it. That's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what happened. You know, I was always confident on my striking skills. You know, even though people was, you know, saying a lot of people were saying a lot of things about Oh, don't, 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 don't stand there with him. 
He has a knockout power. He has been knocking out the best fighters in the division. So a lot of people was giving him the credibility, yeah. right? And thought that that I should put the fight on the ground, which is my specialty, and this and that. But uh, I always believe in my skills. You know, I had a great, I had an excellent like boxing training partners. Uh, uh, previous previous to that fight, yeah. you know, my fight against Brett Jones, he I knew he was a a tough striker, you know. So the fight, the the guys from Wells, I don't know if you remember that fight. The Brett Jones fight. The Brett Jones fight. Yeah. yeah. So that one right after that, Brian Caraway, TKO him as well, you know, and all the previous fight I was yeah. training with the Brazil uh gold Olympic medals. Uh, Robson Conceição, a uh, boxing here, American top team. You know, he was somehow doing his training camp in Miami. So he came along the way here to American top team. And I was able to spar him a lot. So all of a sudden, like, I was, I'm sparring one of the best boxers in the world, like a gold Olympic medalist. And uh, it just built me a lot of confidence, you know, that I, I could go there and stand toe to toe with him. and and, and, and knock him out. Wow. Yeah. That was always my belief. And that's exactly what happened in the fight. You know, I was just, you know, uh, think, uh, taking the, the, the shots, thinking about it. You know, we were exchanging there. I didn't get hurt as much. He didn't drop me. So it was, everything was the way we, that we, uh, we were planning. I mean, just, just touching on that fight, you mentioned there that you were taking some of his shots and you were very confident. I mean, does it give you a lot of belief that you've never been stopped and, and that you can take the shots from the best guys in the world and, and obviously give them give them just as good back? That's true. That's true. That's definitely something that is my type of my type of style, you know. I um I'm a counter counter punches, you know, so I sometimes I have to 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 punch it like you know, at I like to I like to counter punch and I like to yep. punch it at the same time my opponent does. So with that, you know, it gives me, let's say, it gives me um, a opening, you know, so to so can get hit as well of mm-hmm. things that are happening in the training. So I feel very like, you know, blessed to be able to take those shots, observe them, and giving back, you know, something that I, the type of way I'd like to do, that, that I like to train as well. You know, this is always a work in my strategy, which I like to punch at the same time and kind of counterpunch and that's why you know that's the the best the best uh fight styles for me that's the opponent that they come forward to fight yep. you know besides my last fight and dots and guys that walk backwards a lot <laughs> for me it's kind of hard because you're not giving me a a way so we can do a exchange so i'm kind of like has to chase you yep. and you're right there just touching me points and win by the judges you know and that's that's not my uh, I, I, it, none of us. Yeah, I think any of us has, you know, the the the, the their own style. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that one style is better than the other one. I prefer those type of fight that, yeah. you know, that it's gonna bring the best of both fighters. If we're gonna here to fight, we're gonna here to fight. That's my mentality, you know. And I know this is a lot of the English mentality too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was we have great say- fighters, man. I like one of my. One of the guys that, you know, uh, I was always watching. I was Ross Pearson. I like it. I like yeah. the way he fights. 
later on in Korea, he's starting losing, but always putting on the line, fight like a, a warrior, you know, giving the best. Uh, no matter like how many fights he won or lose, I don't even remember. I just remember the show that he put it because yeah. I was just, you know, he fought my teammate, friend of my Edson Barbosa in Brazil. That was the best fight in UFC for me. Uh, talking and striking skills. That's the fight right there so far. You know, so, uh, and besides that, you know, the boxing history you have, and I kind of like, kind of like them in other. It's kind of like, here in the Western, it's more like the Mexicans, the boxing, you yeah. know, and 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 the Europeans. That's the 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 English. So I like that. So I like that one too. You know, and boxing was something that I was watching um, since I was, let's say, teenager. Yeah. You know, it was that's something that you know I follow a lot of a lot of boxers. You know, um, and. I like the fights that entertain people. You know, I like the fights that she's smart, but they go there to do their job. To I mean, four of your last five fights, I think, have been on pay-per-view. So I think the UFC seem to acknowledge as well that when you're fighting, then it's going to be an exciting fight. So you're obviously being put in those positions. Yeah, I hope so. You know, uh, I, I talk with a lot of with the matchmakers. You know, they, they, they like the way that I, I perform, you know, which makes me happy. So we see this week that the fight between you and Frankie Edgar uh, looks like it's been made for July. Just how do you see that fight going and how do you see your styles matching up? fight that I was looking for, you know, he's the guy that he fights forward. Uh, so it's the kind of type of match that I like too. It's kind of like, you know, it gives, it gives like a good, like, weight of scrapping and fighting yep. and i'm very excited I'm very excited unfortunately not official yet because okay. it's a lot of it's a lot of uh they heard that we are fighting somehow it is on works you know uh we haven't signed any balia agreement but that's okay. the fight that ufc is looking to put together on july 11th yeah. so definitely you know training for the fight that's i believe like that's the fight that's gonna going to happen. We already have been talk, uh, talking about this lately a lot, and I and I, I believe that now, even though Frankie had your post, you know, I was excited about it yeah. because now that's it. You know, he agree, I'm agree. Uh, that's the fight you will see. Wants to do it, and it's right now. I mean, we see Frankie obviously a legend of the sport. Um, he has lost, obviously, a couple of his of his last few fights. Just how hard is it to prepare for a guy like that? Obviously, coming down in weight as well, and and having such history behind him. Yes, I'm definitely, uh, you know, focused. Uh, this stuff that I, I can I can do it. You know, focus uh, focus on this the, my, my skills. Uh, I watch some of his I watch some of his fights. But uh, a lot of my my co- I let my I, I I allow more of my coaches to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And what I worry the most that's that's what I'm gonna do, you know. Because if I starting thinking oh what what he could do and this and that, it's gonna stop yeah. me to do what is stuff that I do. Of course, you know he's the danger guy, and mm-hmm. all area, you know. Uh, like I said, I believe in my skills. And like him, you know, like an, like any other opponent, I'm going to look for the finish. Yeah, of course. I mean, we obviously have, have seen now that Henry Cejudo has retired. 
leaving um, a bit of a gap in the division. Just how do you see the division shaping up over the next few months and where do you put yourself in that title hunt? Yeah. Uh, so I heard that they are trying to do something with Peter Ian and Jose Aldo for the vacant title, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then right after that, I believe that the next title, the, the next title contender is going to be whoever wins between Aljamain Sterling and Sadie Hagen. Yeah. You know, and I believe that, you know, a, a, a ginormous possibility, it's definitely one of them is going to be whoever wins between me and Frankie Edgar as well. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, just how do you see some of those names? Obviously, um, Jan and Aldo, Jan being the younger guy and Aldo being a bit more of the sort of legend of the sport. I assume you'd love to get in with either of those guys further down the road as well. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. That's you know, Aldo is definitely in a fight that I was, I was. He was the first guy that I call out. Yeah. Uh, after the fight against Marlon, you know, I, uh, that was way before this pandemic and stuff. <laughs> so I thought it was like a possibility to fighting in main Brazil because I knew there was they were going to have a um a pay per view in yeah. Rio. And I put myself right there against Aldo, you know. So two Brazilian guys, and you know, of course, I see myself, you know, um, better skills and just a better way of fighting strategy-wise. So I put myself out there to fighting Aldo, you know, like a like a. Uh, I don't know him personally. I know a lot of. We have a lot of friends in common, yep. but it's part of, part of the sport. And then I believe there will be like a, a huge fight. So I, I, I put my name out there and I made it a little bit noise back then just to make sure that, you know, I'm here. Uh, I wonder, is it, sorry. Go on, I say, is, is it difficult to train during, I mean, the current times? I mean, we hear a lot of fighters saying that they're struggling to get a lot of partners in and that gyms are sort of closed. How are you finding it without sort of having, like you said, the fight officially announced? Is it difficult to still train and you still, able to get in there with partners? Um, at the beginning, it was a little bit, but we find a way, you know, America yeah. got just a huge a facility. Yeah, of course. We were able to keep a group of eight people per time yeah. at a time. And mm -hmm. we were doing that, you know, all, all day, having the breaks one hour between practice and, you know, some people were there cleaning. So I was yeah. able to, Train. I was able to train. Uh, for me, I didn't. I didn't change uh, in that perspective. Cool. I wondered that you've you've been in the sport. I think nearly ten years now. So, is there anything particular that keeps you motivated to keep getting up and training as you do, and to keep pushing on and fighting all all the time? Yeah, um, I'm definitely always has been. Uh, passionate about it and I'm still doing so and I'm still myself there amongst the best fighters you know number seven right now you know I uh, was number six just recently Jose Aldo they moved him after they lost that which makes no sense on the yeah. uh, ranking numbers but let's 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 remove the ranking numbers away I do believe that, you know, the best fighter in my division right there. I, I do believe that I know I'm one of them. Uh, if not the best, like the danger is the one that I can I can beat anyone in that division. And that's what keeps me the fighting side. I'm, you know, 
uh, when I'm not when I'm not training, you know, I'm home. I'm thinking about MMA ways that I can, you know, ways that I can train different things that I can do to make myself a better athlete. Uh, nutrition's uh, size point of view, strength conditioning, uh, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, Muay Thai, boxing, all that. So I'm always, you know, searching, studying ways that I can uh, be a better fighter. Yeah. And I believe that a reason that I do that because I'm just passionate for the sport and for the game in general. And then just finally, I wondered if, if there was anything in particular that you wanted to say, like tick off before you finish fighting, if there was anywhere in particular you wanted to fight or if there was like anything in particular, really? Yes. Uh, uh, a lot of things that I, you know, I, but definitely something that has to do with mixed martial arts, you know, the, Maybe maybe being a a trainer, maybe open my own gym, maybe being a coach. To be honest with you, something like that. That's yeah. what's gonna, it's gonna make me. Uh, it's gonna make you know just have like a happy life, no yeah. matter like you know money things like that. So if I'm be able to to do stuff that I love, being around people that I care, you know, that's for me. That's that's happiness. Yeah. Well. Um- Thank you for giving us some of your time today. Um, really appreciate it, and um, good luck uh, with the fight when it happens. I appreciate, it, man. Thank you, uh, and I'll be glad that we were able to connect. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was nice, man. It was nice. I have a lot of love for England. I what part in England are you guys from? Um, from Cheltenham, I'm from a little small town yeah. in sort of southwest England. All right, all right. That's I have a lot of friends from England, all over England. So we're, yeah. we're famous for horse racing. That's what we're famous for. Oh, for real? For, yeah. For horse racing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the that's the big sport from where where me and Luca from. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I I I, I like the England culture. You know, uh, I think it's very cool. And uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of fans there. I have some friends that Brazilian guys that live in England for a long time. They like there, and one of them is Roger Gracie. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, man. That uh, uh, thank you for your thank thank you for for the opportunity as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And then just to kind of close this out because it works quite well with what I've just said. I actually forgot to tell you about this, so I can't blame you for not having anything. But we did a feature last week with replay value in which we highlighted a fight from someone on the card to go back and watch, and I actually picked out Garbrandt Dillashaw one. For the intensity, I watched it back on BT Sport when they replayed it recently and forgot how intense the arena was in general. The back and forth with TJ getting dropped at the end of the first round and then even screaming in Cody's face afterwards, just it was just perfect. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that there was such a genuine emotion of kind of hate between the two fighters yeah. as well played into that. Um, and, and, and you felt invested as a fan. Um, so can disagree with that. If I was going to pick one, I would go with Nunez Cyborg. Um, yeah, and then the reason that. behind that would be just because before that fight, I think that's the fight that put Nunez, I mean, I know she had the Rousey fight, et cetera, but that's the fight that catapulted her to kind of that superstardom level. Yeah. Because Cyborg was considered the best striker um, 
in mixed martial arts for a woman. And that had been the case for a long time, you know, um, for her to get knocked out. And the way she was knocked out yeah. was, was, you know, it was breathtaking. Definitely. Well, thanks again for listening to episode two of Protect Your Neck. We'll be back. I'm not sure if we'll be back next week. We'll be back when there's another UFC card, which I feel we've got enough to talk about and we can bring some interviews in as well. So we'll be back then. Thanks to Cam again for coming on. No worries. Always a pleasure. We'll be back. Thank you.